If we haven't met yet, or if this is your first time joining us, my name is Kayla. I serve as the pastor of Congregational Connections here at Eastside. Now, some of you may know that before moving to Indiana, my husband and I lived in Arizona. I served on staff at a church as a youth pastor on the west side of uh, Phoenix in Arizona. And every other year, we had a tradition of taking our students on a mission trip. We would take them to San Diego, California, where we would spend a week partnering with various not-for-profits in the area and serving and uh, worshiping and learning and growing while we were there. And then, as a little treat or a little reward, we would end our week by going to Disneyland. So we did our trip, we spent our five days, six days serving in San Diego, and then we made our way to Disneyland. Now most of these kids growing up in Phoenix, which is only like five and a half hours from Disneyland, most of them had grown up going to Disneyland. They went every year when they were kids, they knew the park like the back of their hand. And having only been there once, I decided to kind of, you know, let them take the reins. There were a couple kids who knew exactly what to do. They said, we're gonna go to this ride first, we'll go grab our fast passes, and then we'll head to this ride, and this is where the food is. And so we spent the day letting these kids just kind of show us around Disneyland. Now, if you've ever been to Disneyland, Disney World, or any other theme park, it can get very crowded. And so we get to the end of the day and I've got this group of teenagers and I'm doing my best to kind of get our group back safely to the van without losing any kids, but the crowd has started to form and it is just so thick and dense. There are people everywhere. We could barely move, shuffling, trying to find our way back out of the park. And I'm trying to keep my kids together and make our way out and one of the kids who had grown up going to Disneyland who was maybe an eighth grader or a freshman at the time, he says, guys, I've got this idea. He starts to cough. And not like hit, hit, like coughing, like hacking up a lung, coughing loudly. Now I will say this was 2013, it was before COVID, but even then people didn't like that. And so he takes the lead and he starts coughing and coughing and you see the people start to part. And a little path is made, like the parting of the Red Sea. And so we follow this student coughing all the way out of Disneyland and back to our van. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you're in a really, not with the coughing part, but the really thick crowd? Have you ever been in a place that's so crowded, a, a theme park or a concert, that you can't see where you're going? There's people everywhere pushing up against you? Personally, I'm not a big fan of crowds. It's probably because I'm short and I can't see. And so when there's a crowd, I have no idea what's going on. But they're not fun. You can feel kind of anxious, like you can't see what's happening, you don't know, and then people are pressing up against you. You know, some of us, we live our lives kind of crowded as well. We fill our life with, with busyness, with obligations, and, and it feels like the life is crowding in around us. Like we don't have space, we can't make space for anything. And then when we come to church and we're told that we're making room for Jesus, there's no room because our life is so crowded. And this morning we're going to look at a story, a story of two sisters and their encounter with Jesus and how they were challenged to make room for Jesus as well. Our story takes place in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Feel free to follow along in your Bible if you'd like. Our story is in the midst of Jesus' ministry. He just sent out 70 of his followers to, to go spread the news of the kingdom of God. And they came back with amazing stories of how God had worked and how the crowd had reacted to the message. 
And this story actually takes place right after the story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus challenges his followers to live out their faith, to love their neighbor through their actions. And here we find Jesus, he's in transit, he's moving around and he's made his way to this, this little village. And he's invited to the home of a woman named Martha. Now Martha, she had heard all of the rumors. She had heard about Jesus. She had heard about how he took a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish and how he had multiplied them to feed thousands. She had heard about how he had cast out demons, how he had healed people, how he taught with authority. She had heard all of this and she knew she needed to bring Jesus to her home. Now Martha invited Jesus and his disciples to her home and what we know about Martha is it said it's her home, we know that she must have either been a widow or had her home as the eldest sister. We also know that she would have been well off financially in order to bring in all of these people into her home and to provide food for them. So she found Jesus, she invited him and his disciples and she begins to show them the path through the village and to her home. All the while she's making her mental checklist of the things that she needs to do. Okay, we're gonna need to make sure there's rooms ready. We need to have a bed ready for everyone. I'm gonna need somebody to wash all the disciples' feet. Do we still have enough bread? Do we have any more of the good wine? Over and over, she's running through this list in her mind, missing everything Jesus is saying to her along the way. They make her way to her home and she opens the door and invites Jesus and the disciples into her inner courtyard. And then she gets to work. She starts calling out orders. She starts making things happen and getting things done. Meanwhile, Mary, her sister, hears the commotion and comes to investigate. She sees Jesus. She watches from a distance as he has his disciples sit around him and he begins to teach. Her curiosity is piqued as we find out in Luke chapter eight that Jesus had several women who were among his disciples including Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and others. And so Mary is watching and she's a little bit confused because you see, this wasn't normal. You see, Jewish rabbis, Jewish teachers, they never had female disciples. In fact, the education that Jewish boys would have gotten was denied to Jewish girls. Sure, they would have been able to hear the um, Torah taught in the synagogue or maybe heard it in their home, memorized it or learned to read there, but, but women were never taken as disciples. And so Mary stood at a distance, watching and observing. Mary, Jesus called, startling her. She pointed at herself. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, so she had to clarify that this was the Mary she was talking to, he was talking to. Me? He said yes. She stood up and made her way to Jesus, thinking he would ask her to get to work or to bring him a drink. But Jesus said, why don't you join us? Several of his disciples turned and nodded and, and Mary sat down with the other women and she began to soak up every word that Jesus said. Meanwhile, Martha was elbow deep in meal preparation. She was making things happen, running through her checklist. All right, I've got somebody to wash the disciples' feet. Check, we've got more bread in the oven. Check, you know what? Someone is gonna need to arrange the cushions around the table so we all have somewhere to sit when we eat. You know what? I'll have Mary do that. Wait a minute, where is Mary? I haven't seen her, Martha thought. So she starts looking around, asking around, trying to find Mary. And you can imagine her irritation when she found her. 
She was sitting on her lazy butt, just listening to Jesus teach. Didn't she understand how important Jesus was? Didn't she understand that hospitality towards Jesus was hospitality towards this message? Didn't she get that this was a big deal that people were gonna hear from Jesus? She needed to be up and working and making things happen. Martha's irritation reached a crescendo and she found herself marching up to Jesus. Lord, she began, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Please tell her to come help me. Martha wore righteous indignation on her face. And that expression, she looked at her sister, like most older siblings said, you're gonna get it. But instead, Jesus said, Martha, his voice filled with compassion. Oh, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but you don't have to be. Only one thing is the most important. It's not the meal prep. It's not the pieces of hospitality that you've been taught to prioritize. It's what Mary has chosen. She has chosen the better part, and I won't take that away from her. In this story, we find a great example in these two sisters of what it means to, to make room for Jesus and what it doesn't. See, first in this story, we learn that we're to clear out busyness and distractions to make room for Jesus. Many of us live with these crazy busy schedules. Our lives are crowded. We run from work to school to daycare pickups to social activities to sports games. We're always filling our time with something. And even when it's not running from location to location, we fill our time scrolling our phones or watching TV or cleaning our home or running never-ending loads of laundry and dishes in the dishwasher. And it seems that no matter how hard we try, there's always more to do. More work, more challenges, more people who need us. Everything seems so important, but at the end of the day, is it really? My husband told me this week about a guy who has a YouTube channel that he watches. And this gentleman lives in Canada and his property is covered in this vast forest that he takes care of. And over the past few years, he had noticed that the forest was suffering. The, the ground, they didn't have um, the brush that was growing the way it was supposed to, wildlife was suffering, and so he, he brought in a consultant to help him figure out what was going on. And the consultant revealed to him that his forest was so dense, it was so crowded, that there was no sunlight making it to the floor. Nothing was able to grow. And that add to that, the limited resource of water that was being competed for by all these trees and there was nothing left to grow anything else. His suggestion was to clear out one third of the good trees or the trees that were just doing okay to make room for the great trees to flourish, to make room for new growth. See, many of our lives are like this forest. Our lives are, are filled to the brim with activity, commitments, relationships, and obligations. A lot of what we do in our life is good, but like this forest, we have limited space, limited resources, and sometimes we fill our lives with good things, but they end up choking out things that are great or new growth, and they leave us feeling exhausted and stretched too thin. Like Martha, there are a thousand things we can fill our time with, 
And they're not necessarily bad things. Martha's to-do list was filled with good things. She was making food for the disciples that people needed to eat. She was providing space for people to hear from Jesus. She wasn't doing bad things. But the reality is that while she was doing good things and the busyness of doing all of that good, she was missing the greatest thing, connecting with Jesus. When we are tempted to fill our lives with the good and sometimes the bad and the ugly, let's pause for a moment. See, we are often tempted, as Ann Voskamp put it, to let the busyness of our life leave little room for the source of our life. I'm gonna say that again. We are tempted to let the busyness of our life leave little room for the source of our life. In order to make room for Jesus, we first have to clear out the busyness. Have you ever noticed that when you get busy, you also tend to get really easily distracted as well? Like I know it's true for me. When I have a lot of things going on, it's hard for me to focus on the moment because I keep running through all the things that I need to get done. See, I think often busyness and distraction, they kind of go hand in hand. Like Martha, who is anxious and distracted by many things, we find ourselves often distracted from what really matters. We're gonna get a little interactive now, so everybody wake up. I'm gonna be calling on you. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. We're going to have a little uh, quiz on how distracted you think everyone is. So let's talk about the human attention span. I, we're gonna, I'll have you raise your hands if you think that the average human attention span is above 45 seconds or if you think it's below 45 seconds. If you're online, feel free to interact with us in the chat if you think that it's above 45 or below. All right, you guys ready? You ready? Okay, you gotta tell me. Are you ready? Okay, all right, we're good. Okay, how many of you think the average human attention span is over 45 seconds? Wow, you guys are even better than the 915 service. Okay, how many of you think that it is over 30 seconds? Wow, okay. How many of you think the average human attention span is over 20 seconds? Okay, we got a few. I'm gonna assume the rest of you think it's under and you're not asleep. How many of you think that the average human attention span is under 10 seconds? Under 10 seconds, you're right. The average human attention span is 8.25 seconds. That's less than a goldfish, which is nine seconds, right? Now, attention spans, they can range from, from two seconds to 20 minutes. And the average human attention span, it's decreased by almost 25% from 2000 to 2015. There are a lot of things that are competing for our attention, which apparently is really short. We're busy, we're distracted, and all of this is keeping us from the most important thing. One thing I wanna note about this story is that Jesus never tells Martha that what she's doing is bad. The taking care of business, the getting things done. In fact, he tells her that one thing is actually necessary. And like Martha, we, we go through life assigning the term necessary to a variety of things. We get stressed out about necessary. We fill our lives with necessary. And while a lot of these things are good, Jesus tells us that only one necessary thing is our connection to him. So what do we do? How do we clear out the busyness and the distractions to make room for Jesus? One answer is to cut some activity out. Take an inventory of your life and if you know, are there some things that you've committed to? 
that you know you need to cut back away from? Have you filled your schedule to the brim and you know that you can't keep going at this pace? Spend some time reflecting and praying this week that God will show you what you might need to cut from your life in order to make more room for Jesus. Now sometimes there are seasons that are busier than normal. This May has been that season for my family. Parents, if you know, you know. It's baseball games and baseball practice, it's school art shows and awards and graduations and birthdays, and it feels impossible to figure out what to cut. So instead of cutting an activity or just praying that baseball practice gets canceled, I decided to make room for Jesus even in the midst of this activity. Now what does this mean? For me it means getting up before my kids and spending time in scripture and in prayer. It means when I start to feel overwhelmed by my schedule, I take a deep breath and I pray. Or maybe it's putting on some worship music during my commute and singing praise to God instead of mentally scrolling through all the things that I have to do. Sometimes I think that we believe that in order to make room for Jesus, we have to clear out hours or days to spend time in prayer and meditation. But what's amazing is that we can sit at the feet of Jesus anywhere. In our cars as we drive, when we're watching baseball practice, sitting at our desk at work, or even a place as unlikely as the BMV. We can make room for Jesus anytime we clear out busyness and distractions to focus on him. Now, these are not the only areas that we can clear out to make room for Jesus. In our story, we find that we also need to clear out comparison as well. Now, as a parent, there are certain phrases that occur on a daily basis in our house. And if you are a parent or if you're around small children, you are probably very familiar with this phrase. That's not fair. Whether it be dessert or the task that we're asking the boys to do, we are often met with, that's not fair. Or why does he get more? Or why doesn't he have to go to bed? Or why doesn't he have to collect the trash? My favorite, is when a kid, and I won't say any names, but he definitely lives at my house, when a kid makes this huge mess and when asked to clean it up says, that's not fair. You made the mess. That's the definition of fair, kid. If you're around kids, you expect to hear that phrase. But if we're honest, it shows up in adult vocabulary as well. Only we don't explicitly say it. Often we just express the sentiment in other ways. Why did he get a promotion? He doesn't work as hard as me. Look at those Instagram photos. I wish I could afford a vacation like that one. Their kid has such terrible manners. I'm glad my kid doesn't act like that. I eat healthy and I exercise, and yet I can never be as thin as them. We often find ourselves comparing our lives, our kids, our finances and actions to those of others, and the result is that's not fair. In our story this morning, we saw Martha doing something similar. She's working her tail off. She's doing everything she's supposed to. Her whole life she's been taught how to prioritize hospitality. And for weeks she had heard rumors of what Jesus had been doing and teaching and she knew that this was her moment, her chance to entertain him, to, to allow other people to hear his message. She knew this was her chance. And when she's working so hard to make it happen, she sees her sister sitting on her butt and she says, that's not fair. 
In order to make room for Jesus, we have to clear out comparison. Teddy Roosevelt once said that comparison is the thief of joy. Unfortunately, we live in a world where this natural tendency we have to compare our life to others, it's exacerbated by the images we present on social media. We feel this need to present a certain image to the world, or we feel discouraged because our life doesn't seem to match up with those of the influencers and other people. But a life of comparing ourselves, our families, our homes and possessions, it's one that will always leave us feeling empty or deficient. If we find ourselves, like Martha, comparing how hard we're working to how much someone else isn't, we end up frustrated, snapping at Jesus to tell him to help us out. But Jesus knows that what we need is to clear out comparison to make room for him in our lives. One of the best ways to do this is to keep a record of the blessings in your own life. Write down a list, get out your phone, write a list in your phone or on your tablet, keep a gratitude journal. And then when you find yourself tempted to declare that's not fair, pull out that list of the ways that God has blessed you. Remind yourself of the amazing things that God has done in your life. And when you clear out this comparison with gratitude, we have more room for Jesus in our lives. In order to make room for Jesus, we need to clear out distractions, we clear out busyness, we clear out comparison, but we also have to recognize that in Jesus, we're not defined by what we can do for him. For Mary, her whole life had been shaped under the understanding that an important piece of who she was was the hospitality she could offer for others. Basically, she was defined by what she did, what she could offer other people. See, what Mary did wasn't normal. She wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing. Under the culture, Martha's rebuke was completely justified. But Jesus turns their understanding on its head. Jesus isn't saying that hospitality is not important. He's not saying that serving others isn't important. I think Luke puts the story of the Good Samaritan before this one for a reason. We are supposed to love our neighbor with our actions. But in this story, Jesus is saying that more than hospitality, more than cultural expectations, more than the rules that said she couldn't do it because she was a girl, more than any of that, the most important thing was her connection to him. So often we believe we're defined by the things that we can do. We get lost in thinking that our value to Jesus is wrapped up in what we do for him. We spend our lives running from thing to thing, getting our value from what we do. We perform, we achieve all the way, all the time, thinking that someday we'll be good enough. But our value to Jesus has nothing to do with what we can do for him. Our value to Jesus has already been established. Your value was made clear on that cross. That kind of love can't be earned and isn't dependent on what you do. Because doing things for Jesus will never be as important as being with him. This morning, I'm guessing there are a lot of you who are tired. Not just the didn't get my eight hours last night kind of tired, but weary. You've been running and hustling to make things happen. Your life is filled to the brim with activity. Some of it good, some of it not so much. Your life is full. Whether it be overscheduled or filled with distractions, it's full and not in a good way. 
On this table, you'll see this clear container. Let's call this your life. We're gonna start filling it with your priorities, all right? So here's the big priorities. We've got your family, your spouse, maybe kids, job, the big things in your life that take up most of your time, okay? Not really close to full. Let's add some more because I mean, let's be honest, our life isn't normally limited to just this. There's other things. So next, we're gonna add some more. This is gonna be our time with friends, maybe church attendance, other priorities that take up our time. Maybe some of you at school or other things. All right, that looks pretty full. Anybody think this is full so far? No, yeah, some, okay. Well, there's a little room for more. So here we have things that are fun activities. Playing games on your phone, maybe reading books, extracurriculars, watching TV, all those things. All right, pretty full, right? Yeah? Well, let's say that this rock here is Jesus. Now, if my life is already full with all of these things, I can't fit Jesus. Because you see, Jesus has to be the first thing that I put in. And then I fill in around him. Now, this is not a lesson on you need to fill your life very full or how to fill it with activity. This is all about the uh, order of operations. You have to start with Jesus first in order to have room for him at all. You can fill your life with a lot of things from family, friends, even church attendance, but if you don't start with Jesus, it's impossible to squeeze him in when your cup is already so full. See, Jesus isn't meant to be a side dish or an extracurricular. He's meant to be the center. We have to make room for Jesus first and then let everything else follow. This morning, I know there are many here on campus or who are listening online and you're tired. You're busy, you're distracted, you're caught up comparing your life to other people's and often you just feel like you can't keep up. You're hustling, trying to prove that you're worth something. But what would happen if we cleared these things out? What if we do a massive spring cleaning in our life, getting rid of what is unnecessary? In a few moments, we're going to close by singing King of Glory. And this beautiful worship song has a line that just keeps repeating. And in the song we sing, we just wanna be with you. We just wanna sit at your feet, Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that is the cry of my heart. When I'm busy, when I'm overwhelmed, when I've heard that phrase, mom, 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 3,000 times in the last hour, all I want to do is sit at the feet of Jesus, to soak in his presence, to soak in the peace that surpasses all understanding. And if that's where you are too, while we worship through this song, would you take a few moments to reflect on your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really experienced Jesus like that. Maybe he's been on the periphery or not a part of your life at all. But all that hustle, all the busyness is just leaving you empty. 
My hope is that you'll choose to follow Jesus to make room for him to be the center of your life. Or maybe there's something that's eating up your time and your energy and you know you need to clear it out. Maybe you've filled your days with distractions and you know you need to cut back on some of these things that are taking your focus away from what truly matters. Pray that God will reveal to you anything that is keeping you from sitting at the feet of Jesus. Or maybe you've been caught up in comparing your life to others. Like Martha and my kids, you find yourself saying, that's not fair. This week, I challenge you to instead fill your mind with gratitude. Make a list of all the amazing things that God has done for your life. And then let gratitude melt away comparison, leaving room for Jesus to be your center. Or maybe, you felt like you've been defined by what you can do for Jesus, or maybe even what you haven't done. Remember, your value to Jesus has already been made very clear. When he stretched out his arms on that cross, his love for you was made evident before you ever did a thing. Because being with Jesus is always more important than doing things for him. While we sing, I hope you take a few minutes to sit in your seat, spend some time reflecting, seeing what God wants to speak into your life. And then as we sing, Heather will have you stand and we'll, we'll declare this worship together. We'll sing together about how we just want to be with Jesus, how we want to sit at his feet. Like Martha, maybe you're here. You're worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is the most important. Make room for the most important thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord our God, we stand in awe of your love. Each day we wake up with new grace, new mercies, new love. That no matter what we've done, you offer us this grace to, to wake up into a relationship with you, to, to know you. Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts today. Lead us to anything that we need to clear out to make room for Jesus to be the center of our lives. I pray that you will lead us, that you will guide us. You'll remind us of your presence as we go from this place that we can find more opportunities simply to sit at your feet, Lord Jesus. Amen.
with us today. We hope that you have a wonderful week and a happy Mother's Day. Now for all the ladies here who are 18 and older, we do have a special treat for you. Ohana Lulu's is out in the parking lot, so if you'll see a member of our welcome team, we have a voucher for you to get a free ice cream today. Sorry guys, you'll have to buy your own. Uh, for those of you who are online, if you fill out the link in the chat, we'd be happy to send you a sweet treat as well. So go, have a wonderful week. Find ways to make room for Jesus in your life. Go in peace. <laughs>